0: Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. So glad you're here for our Linden Road online experience. If this is your first time, we're grateful you've tuned in and especially want to invite you to click on the digital connection card or leave a comment in the chat. Or if you're watching on YouTube, to scroll to the bottom in the description and there's a link there to our digital connection card and we'd love for you to fill that out. Give us your email address and you could leave a prayer request or leave your name if there's a Question You might have, we'd be delighted to try to answer that, but we're grateful you're here and we certainly hope it's not your last time. So thanks for being part of our experience. And to visit your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are grateful too that you're here. And again, we invite you to use those connection pieces, the digital connection card, comment in the chat, or there's a link here in the description just to let us know what we need to know here in the building. Uh, Grateful for your faithfulness and your participation as we continue to be the church here online and in the building. A couple of things we want to share with you this week. We added an additional 16 names to the Jericho wall on Saturday. It's amazing how the stories continue to track and one of the things that's happening locally next week is a, what they're calling Rock-In Recovery. It's an opportunity for local folks to create a, a rock, a memorial rock to remember and to celebrate those that are in recovery as we continue in recovery month. And there's a quick video here I want to share. I was out mowing the lawn earlier this week and ran into my friend Pete, and he was wanting to put up a yard sign, and so yeah, check it out. So I'm out here mowing the yard, and this guy shows up, and this is our friend. <laughs> yeah, we've known each other through AA. Yes, and Some yes. other things here in the Cape Canyon. And so he says, hey, I want to put a sign up, and so here's the sign. So tell us what's going on. So Saturday, September 23rd from 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., come by Healing Hearts on Park Avenue and uh, 680 Park Avenue West. You can paint a rock. You can take the rock with you. You can put it in our rock garden as a remembrance of somebody you might have lost or just a celebration of Recovery Month. Um, Paint whatever you want on the rock. We'll provide the rocks and the paint. Um, Come on by. We'll have mild refreshments. It'll be a fun time. Fun. Yeah. So hopefully Phyllis will show up. So. Yeah, absolutely. The signs are all over town. Yeah. So If you need the date again, just look for these rock and recovery signs um, or just stop by Healing Hearts. And I'll put uh, a link in the in the notes below on YouTube. Awesome. So when awesome. That's next Saturday, the 23rd of September. We want to remind you that the crop block is coming up. It's something that's been going on since World War II in many communities around the nation. It's an opportunity for us to raise awareness and raise monies to help those in our community that are in need of food. Uh, 25% of the monies that we raise will stay locally. And I'd like to share this video on why people walk.
1: I walk because I like to help people. I love volunteering at my local food pantry, the Outreach House, and I love doing things. This is my ninth consecutive year doing this, and I love helping the community.
2: The positive impact that Church World Service has globally is incredible. I believe that Walking for the pop walk helps bring us all together and reminds us how we're
0: all connected to each other and that we can care for each other.
2: I walk to help support my local food pantry that I volunteer at. I enjoy being able to see the money that we raise go directly back to our community. It makes me feel like we're actually doing something good in this world.
0: But it was just a wonderful thing to see everyone coming out for a great cause. I walk because
2: there's a lot of need around the world and in the community and if I can do something to help, I want to.
0: I walk because we need to end hunger and that's the best way to do it.
1: I want to be part of the solution to ending world hunger and local hunger. I
2: walk because there shouldn't be hungry people. And I want to make sure that other people
1: um, on this beautiful earth have
2: enough. I feel like this is a wonderful opportunity. I encourage anyone to join uh, wherever you are. This is a wonderful course. It's a big gift for me to come and you know, participate, donate my time, or the money, or the T-shirts, anything I can do to participate. Otherwise, thank you for the, to the organizers. God bless you all. Thank you so much.
0: Again, it's a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon. And if you'd like to participate financially, there's a link here in the worship notes, and we invite you to do that. This is Back to Church Sunday, to be reminded, because I know there's many people that are struggling with just their own story, with their faith journey. And we want to be a place that's welcoming and a place that can engage and create safe space to have conversations about faith and about life's issues. We're glad that you're here. So this is Back to Church Sunday, and as we think about just what that means, and even as we've been over the many weeks talking about how the kingdom of God has advanced, uh, as we thought about the early church there through the book of Acts, Dr. Luke's writings, today I just want to talk about just what it means to be church. I want us to be reminded that the church was born as a movement, that it is something, as we've talked in these many weeks, that it is something that continues to grow, even as Paul wrote from prison there, as we looked at Acts chapter 28, we're reminded that his faithfulness led to our faithfulness. And and then the idea of what does that mean in a world that seems to be continually upside down, of how do we offer the hope as we invite others into God's story. I love the church. I love uh, our folks here at Linden Road. I don't know what comes to your mind or what you may feel, the emotions you may encounter as you hear the word church. But I'm going to guess that it's a far cry from what we've seen that the early church was all about, from what those people in the book of Acts experienced. Nobody seemed to be bored in the first century. They didn't think about the buildings or didn't think about the rows of pews or the pews or uh, the parking lot or the hymnals or... What kind of music or even the liturgy that was being uh, shared? Now, in fact, there wasn't even any Bibles at that time as the church started out. Uh, there wasn't any worship band or, or worship elements of music or anything quite like that at all. Or even banners, as we see here in our space on the wall that makes it so beautiful, right? What was the church? It was a simple gathering of people who came together around a central belief a very simple and yet important belief that Jesus was the risen Christ, he was the son of the living God, and that was all they had. That's all they had to encounter. And you know what? That was enough. And as we say, it it was a movement, and it got big starting on the first day. So let's talk about the word church. Uh, There's a Greek term that's translated church in the uh, New Testament. It's the word ecclesia. It means to assemble or to gather. But what's interesting, and this is where our words sometimes get played with in our language, that in the English term uh, that we use called church is actually from an entirely different Greek word. It, and in fact, it means of the Lord. And it's interesting, it was a term that was picked up uh, around uh, 300 AD and was adopted and then even there was a and then there was a german tribe that called the word kirch which means lord's house now it does sound like church right but the german uh, pronunciation is completely different and this really bad translation then created if you will some really bad theology that has uh, since impacted how we see these things even today that the church became a place rather than a gathering of God's people. It was uh, even tamed, if you will. It became localized. It was controlled by the people, uh, the people who controlled the building. It's interesting that in the 16th century, there was a scholar named William Tyndale, and William did something bold. He's often referred to as the father of the English Bible. And what he did is he translated and published the Bible in English from the original Greek and Hebrew texts. Now, in that time, that was something that was unheard of. It created quite a controversy because what it did is it gave away the power of the the church to the common folks. In fact, he, he once said to the bishops of the Church of England who wanted to keep the scriptures out of the hands of the common people, if God spare my life, Ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow to know more of the scriptures than thou dost. It's interesting that in 1524, uh, Tyndale fled from England to uh, Germany. And there he published his first version of the New Testament. And then he smuggled it back into England. And while there, Tyndale continued to translate the Bible until someone betrayed him a friend, not a really good friend, I guess. And then he was hung and actually burned at the stake in 1536. Now, it's interesting that one of the things that drove the church leaders of his day crazy was that he translated the word ecclesia as congregation rather than church. And the whole point of that was to move the focus from a building to the people. And I want to suggest that this idea that Tyndale was right. So in Matthew 16, uh, we find the first reference to the church in the New Testament. Jesus asked his disciples who people were saying that he was. What was the word on the street, if you will? Some said he was the reincarnated John the Baptist or Elijah the prophet. And then he said, who do you say that I am? Well, Peter answered. In verse 16, he says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of death will not overcome it. We spent the last couple months looking at the idea of the church in the book of Acts, in Dr. Luke's second gospel, and we're reminded right that two months after jesus's resurrection, it was actually fifty seven days, his gathering called the church uh, launched. Well, we've heard the story right, where Luke and Acts tells us that after the resurrection, Jesus was here on earth for forty days, and he walked with his followers, and he told them not to go public until the Holy Spirit showed up. Remember we looked at Acts chapter one, verse six through eight, where it says so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Because they didn't know about the church. And yet they, what they were waiting for, as we know, was a Jewish kingdom. And we knew too, right, that Jesus is king. And that in some way it was all focused on them, about some kind of power coming about. But what did Jesus say? Verse 7 here, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, you can only imagine the disciples, right? Power, yep, that's great, awesome, we're going to be in charge. And then the question is, what are we going to do with that power, right? Well, what does he say? He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, continuing here, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, it's interesting, this word witness, which basically means one who testifies to or something that we affirm, right? Because when you testify, you proclaim who Jesus is, uh, that you have witnessed him being alive, having been resurrected. And then what's supposed to happen? Well, we're supposed to make followers and disciples of what? Of him, of Jesus. And then he says, teach what I've taught and baptize in my name. They must have thought, and I'm going to guess those disciples, as they heard those words, us, what? I don't quite understand. Ends of the earth, what does that mean, right? Who's going to listen to us? How are we going to get there, for heaven's sakes? Well, you've got to be reminded too, it's just a handful of us and a couple of women, including Mary. So as we've talked, what happens? Just to remind you, they, they end up going back to Jerusalem, and they sat there for about two weeks. And then Luke who we know is all into details, he tells us that it was the apostles and some women, including Mary and the brothers of Jesus, who were there. And on that day of Pentecost, as we've talked, and we are reminded, right, it was a Jewish feast day when the city would have been full of Jews and converts from all over the world. We know the Holy Spirit fell on the men and women that were in that room. And the beauty of what we know took place there was the speaking of tongues, the overflow of the Holy Spirit, where many could speak in the language of the Jews from the different regions that were visiting Jerusalem for the feast. Now, even the question is asked, how can these Galileans speak our language? And what's really beautiful here is Luke then lists out 14 different groups that heard the gospel in their own language. Now, we need to be reminded, right, that this was not a Jewish movement or message, that this is about Jesus, that Jesus was right. It was for the entire world. And then the disciples ask, well, what does this mean? And then what happens, and we looked at this too in our series, that Peter then preaches the first sermon in the history of the church. And it's worth looking at again as we lean into this, where in Acts chapter 2 he says, To keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Well, what did Peter say? Attend church regularly. Uh, no, <laughs> that wouldn't have made any sense at all, right? Or for some, maybe don't miss Mass. Yep, not even that, right? No, what did Peter say? Verse 38 here Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And as we've talked through the series Unhindered, we're reminded that that's all of us. That's you and that's me. That this far off geographically is, is even chronologically is us here today being reminded of the faithfulness of someone as we, we've talked about being reminded that we sit here today in patient in our faith because of God's good work through those that he spoke to, whether it was a family member or a youth pastor, but how faithful they were impacted by someone who impacted them to someone who impacted them, and on back to the point of where it was someone who was there on that day in that upper room that received the Holy Spirit, and we celebrate that good work even now. And as we continue to read here, those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, that's amazing when you think about it, that there were 3,000 people from 14 different language groups that believed in Jesus and had faith. Now, I know that I've heard from people over the years, and even recently this week, about church I really don't like church, I really don't need church, don't need to be in the building to be connected and to have a relationship with God. But I may suggest that they might not have liked that experience thousands of years ago either, Uh, that they may not like even what you might experience in heaven to remind us that uh, we are going to, even in our differences, and all the things that are sort of upside down, that there's going to be a day when together we worship the Lamb at the throne. Wants want us to see that just as Jesus predicted that it was a gathering that rallied around one idea. It was this idea that Jesus is the resurrected Christ. He is the son of the living God. And so as we've said before, and we need to say it again here, is that you couldn't go to church because you are the church. And then they were the church. And to think about it in their context is the church wasn't for church people because at that point there wasn't any. And the church wasn't about a location because at that time there wasn't one. And that the church wasn't about style of worship, contemporary or traditional or liturgy or the rituals that we use in our worship together, Uh, that there wasn't any, that's not how it worked. And then what was the mission then for that church and for us today for this church? is, as we say, to love God and love others, right? It's the one thing that we're supposed to do, and the focus that we're supposed to have is singularly is this idea of creating followers of Jesus Christ. And yet, here's what needs to be said, from that day forward, there's always been a group who refused to let go of that idea, who refused to make it a building. I mean, you think about just all the various people that are out there, the missionaries that we know, the Jesuits, the the folks that are church planners or evangelists, or the people who translate the Bible for unreached people groups, or even pastors and student pastors and people like Bible smugglers and teachers. Even men like we hear of William Tyndale, who at a time defied the church leaders when they sought to make it all about something else. And then it's all in a real sort of way about us today, right? People like you watching and like here, the folks that are in the building for Sunday morning worship who, who give and who serve and who walk for the crop walk and who show up to set up tables and chairs for the Jericho wall and who serve meals to those in need, who uh, invite others to learn more about Jesus through a Bible plan or through conversation And then what we realize, and I think especially in this season, to know that when you gather in your home or your office, that you are the church. And that as you serve the poor, you are the church. And when you pray for the sick, you're the church. And then when you live out the values of Jesus, that may make you feel as though you're an outcast in your college setting or in your office or maybe even in your home. And and again, that's all about being the church. On October 1st, we'll launch a new message series called Create the Dream. It's a six-week study, and we'll also be running a six-week small group experience here in the building. have a couple opportunities for people to participate in that. If you'd like to know more about that, please, if you'd like to know more about that, please send me an email at uh, hello at church and we'll get the information to you. But if you remember back in the Unhindered series, we talked about got a dream and reminding us of the five purposes of church, of the idea of discipleship, relationships or fellowship, evangelism, adoration and worship, and ministry. And we're gonna unpack that together of what it is to create a dream for the kingdom in our own lives, to create a conversation amongst ourselves on how God can use us in the future.
1: I've got a question for you. How's your faith? Is it strong or is it weak? Is it steady or is it stretched? It's a very important question uh, to be able to answer because Jesus said, everything is possible for the person who has faith. He also said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. In other words, you get to choose how much God blesses your life. God says, if you'll trust me, if you'll believe in me, if you'll have faith in me, I will bless you. In fact, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So there's a lot riding on your faith. And let me ask you that question again, how's your faith? Would you like your faith to be stronger? Well, I hope so, because that's why we're going to do this study together. You see, faith is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised, it needs to be developed, and God uses a predictable pattern and process to build your faith. I call it the six phases of faith. And once you understand these six phases, you're going to be able to cooperate with God in the process of strengthening your faith, building your character, and experiencing the great adventure of life in Jesus Christ.
0: So again, I'm not quite sure as we sort of wrap this up today. I don't know what comes to mind or what you feel when you hear this word, church, But from now on, I hope you will think, and I'm borrowing this definition from Annie Stanley because I believe it resonates with how we need to think about the church today, is that we are a multiplying, multicultural gathering of people who believe that Jesus is a Savior and whose lives reflect his teaching. That's what it's all about, that the church is a movement. As we said at the beginning, the church began as a movement. And as we've looked over the many weeks, right, on this Back to Church Sunday, we know that the church is still moving. It's still a very dynamic institution. It's faced some challenges, especially in this current season. But as we pray, and by God's grace, we will be part of that movement, and that we, in the days ahead, can be a church for this generation. So let's pray. God, we are grateful that this isn't about us, and this is about you, and we want to be faithful to what you called us to be. And so as we lean into today in worship, we pray that our hearts would be moved to be reminded of the movement that you're doing in our very being, to invite ourselves to a deeper relationship, but also to reach out to those that need to be invited into. Bring a name to mind even now that we can invite into this larger story. We're grateful for your love for us, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would equip us, and we pray it all through the strong name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Look around you. There's so much work to do. This world is in no condition for us to simply sit back and watch there is a tangible desperate need for Jesus a glimpse of hope in the midst of hopelessness Jesus experienced this he saw it firsthand the need broke his heart and filled him with compassion He turned to his disciples and said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This alone should stir our hearts. It's a calling, a calling to make a difference, to share the truth of the gospel, to be a light in the darkness, to be the church. It's time for us to look beyond ourselves, to turn our focus to the field, to answer the call and passionately share the love of Jesus. This is our mandate. This is our mission.
0: Are you ready to do the work? Thanks for being with us this week. We'd invite you to share this video. We'd invite you to share our sermon archives. uh, Pick one of the messages out of Unhindered and share it with a friend and have a conversation and let us know how that goes. And even send us an email on how we might be able to pray for those kinds of moments to happen. And then be reminded too that you have been blessed to be a blessing. And so go forth and serve Christ in his name. Have a great week.